Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, and welcome to Beyond the Gate Radio, the Sunday, February 2nd, 2012 edition. Tonight's show will be a two-hour show, and coming up next week, we're going to have David Rosenhaus. He is the uh, inventor of the rock and roll oracle card deck. He's a uh, psychic and a medium and on the next week after that Sunday February 19th we're having uh, Terry Linda Jamison the psychic twins back on again for an interview and predictions every Sunday we come to you at the same time with some very very interesting guests um, so you all know me David Baker your host Unfortunately, tonight, my co-host is not with us. She is on bed rest right now, getting better. So if you feel so guided to, please send her your prayers. So just be myself. And tonight we have a really, really wonderful guest. I mean, she is great. You'll love her. Her name is Maria. Maria D'Andrea. She's an international she is an internationally known professional psychic from Budapest, Hungary. And since her early childhood, she has demonstrated high spiritual awareness and psychic ability. Over her lifetime and as a spiritual leader, she has provided excellent psychic guidance and enlightenment to many people, assisting them on their own personal path of spiritual self-discovery. Many occultists and psychics specialize in only one area, for example, tarot card reading or psychometry. When you work with Maria, you can rest assured that she will able, be able to use the best method to achieve 
the best results for your particular circumstances. Maria is known for a unique form of divination called rune casting. This method was used by Vikings and Europeans to unlock information about the past, present, and future by tapping into the universal mind. The responsibility of a selection of past is yours after you have been made aware of the underlying factors and forces at work. And that is really true. Maria has two websites. One of them she's affiliated with Timothy Beckley, who is a producer of the Conspiracy Journal and many wonderful books, which I have ordered and am reading. And the website that she's affiliated with is HTTP double forward slash UFO review dot tripod.com forward slash inner light forward slash index.html. Now, Maria's website, should you want to find out more about her, is www.mariadandrea.com. It's posted, her information is posted on her bio on the radio show page at the bottom, you can see a link to her website. Also, if you'd like to contact her, her email and telephone number are also listed on her website. Her phone number is area code 516-414-0727. And her email is mdandrea or mdandrea100 at gmail.com. So go to her website, find out all the information. She has published several books, and she has more books coming out. Like, for example, she has Instant Money Empowerment, Psychic Vibrations of Crystals, Gems, and Stones, which I know all these books are really interesting, and the book that I have on my desk here, Heaven Sent Money Spells, and... uh many, many other books that she has which are also listed on her website. So, having said that, and without further ado, welcome to Beyond the Gate Radio, Maria. Uh, I just want to welcome you here. It would help if I was to unmute you first. Let me look for you again on the switchboard. (laughs) As you see, I'm by myself tonight. Okay, Maria, we have you. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be invited on the show. You have such a terrific show. I've heard it before, and everybody recommends it. Well, thank you very much. We do our best on this show. Our purpose is we are mainly the purveyors of information and enlightenment for those who choose to listen to the different guests and their topics so people can be exposed to different facets of the paranormal, new age, and things of that particular nature. That's the type of genre we have for our show, and all the guests are wonderful. We support the guests, and we hope that our listeners can learn something from them. So, Maria, how are you doing tonight? Oh, wonderful. I always feel we're doing better and better. (laughs) That's it. 
you know, you can't. Uh, I also find that it's so interesting that we can cover so many different subjects in our fields, especially between the two of us. I think we pretty much cover everything. I think we do as well. Yes, yes, indeed. No, I believe that uh, a lot of us in the field in service not only can do different things, but I believe we also are not only continuing to learn, but we also like to do research because there's just so much to learn in this field. Don't you agree? Oh, definitely. And I really feel that the more knowledge you have, the better you can help other people. So uh, one of the reasons that I like to teach, because I lecture and I do workshops and classes, and, you know, the reason I have the books out, they're basically how-to books, is because I feel the more people can do for themselves, the better the world gets. It's a little bit like lighting up the world one light at a time. That's true. You know, a lot of people don't go looking for those things uh, Sometimes they're, they don't really pay attention. They just notice it. But when things start to get difficult for them or they get confused, they start to take a look around and note, suddenly they notice something like this and they look into it and they think about, well, I'll try this. You know, it couldn't hurt. <laughs> and maybe it'll improve my life. And okay. voila, we have another person, another light in the world. Exactly. Um, I find basically, oh, before I forget, I just want to mention that if anybody goes to um, innerlightpublications.com to pick up any of my books, that they get a free DVD. That way everything helps and everything uh, moves in a positive direction. We like to put back. But uh, I find that with with the books that I'm very focused on how to, and also explaining some of the universal laws, like the universal laws of abundance and love, and there's so many different things. There's the laws of karma. You know yourself, you know, there's so many different universal laws we work with, and the more we understand them, the better we can improve our lives. Uh, I find you were asking earlier when we were talking, I have that book, um, Heaven Sent Money Spells, and Basically, it's a how-to book to attract different levels of abundance into your life, whether it's through business or um, luck. (laughs) People do gamble. So there are a lot of different ways to increase business. I find with businessmen, uh, many times they use different methods to increase their business to find out who they can work with in a positive way, who to hire, where to place them as an example in business. Because if you know financially, if you know where a person's personality is so that you can place them as an example, working with details because that's what they're good at, they're going to stay longer in the company. They'll do better for the company. They'll do better for themselves rather than placing somebody um, creative in a very, very, a mundane analytical job because that won't work for them. They'll quit. They'll get fired. So there's so many different ways of working with finance to be in the right place at the right time. Okay. Uh, um, I, I agree. That that sounds very good. And I can tell you did a lot of research to uh, to get all these books, which you know oh, to write yeah. all these books, and you know. Well, have I your find knowledge, um, you know. a lot of the formularies in my books, they're very, very ancient, 
or um, I've been doing this all my life, but professionally since about 66, you know, which just aged me. <laughs> but I've been doing this since I'm really young, and I find that uh, they're either ancient methods or I incorporate um, formulary that I came up with on my own through years of working with them. You know how it is with ancient methods. If it works, you pass it down. And if it doesn't work, you usually don't tell anybody you even tried it. Um, as an example, in the um, Heaven Sent Money spells, one of the things that people really aren't aware of is that we work with um, energy streams or ley lines or martial arts. They call them dragon lines. So uh, yes. as an example, I like to call them Mother Nature's party lines. <laughs> I feel that if you're aware that you're on an energy line, it gives you the opportunity to improve your life quicker, whether it's your health or your finance or any aspect of your life. If you're not on that ley line, then you want to incorporate different forms of energy to pick that up. So when you're looking at energy currents, as you and I have talked about in the past, they've been used, utilized for centuries by magi, uh, shaman, high priests, other higher levels, and basically, they're energy streams that are waves that are an invisible force that flow over and under the Earth's surface through the universe. So I tend to think of them as a network of crossing lines of energy spaced at different intervals, as an example. So they've been with us um, as awareness for centuries. And the streams go through the Earth, and they're felt psychically and physically. And I kind of look at it as grids fixed in space with energy. And I also look at it as uh, if, we're, if we're living, as an example, on a grid, and psychically we can always spot them. So if you're living in the flow of that current, a lot of times occultists, metaphysicians will use that to pick up their energy um, on a much stronger level. So their intent when they're working on attracting finance finance as an example, is going to hit quicker and more powerfully. If they're not on that line, that's why we have the different formularies. <laughs> now, I have a question. Uh, in the past, I did some investigations for some certain parties. Mm -hmm. and they had some, uh, one of them in particular, for example, lived in the area north of me in Northern California and there is uh, the Miwok Indians used to live here and they had certain sightings of that and they also had some people they had a, a really huge house and so they had uh, you know I guess you call it maids or housekeepers butlers whatever and they couldn't keep help in there because they kept getting scared away so they had ghosts but they also had you know energy imprint energy there but something I discovered in that house that was different than some of the other houses I had done that was that they had some type of I don't know if you call it a ley line or an energy grid there but not all the places I've went to that's rare but I felt strongly that that was going through the property and affecting the property and is that something of what you were talking about? Oh, definitely. That's exactly it. And I find we can't change the grids because that's universal energy. But if we're aware that they're there as an example, we can consciously use them. 
because they're very, very powerful. So they actually heighten your energy. So when you have an intent or a focus that you're working on, or even subconsciously if you're very focused on something um, or expect something to happen in your life, because expectancy is a very powerful tool for creating situations, then the energy of the grid or the ley lines actually heightens that so everything comes quicker and stronger and usually more successfully than you expect. Yes, so I totally it's, believe that. It's very powerful. And, and I want to uh, stop for a second because I stated that my wife is on bed rest, but she, uh, her name is Sherelle. She is something else. I mean, no, I can't keep her out of trouble. She's in the back of the house, <laughs> in the bed, on bed rest. She has a mini laptop there, a telephone <laughs> and all that stuff. And I have a sneaking suspicion that she might be on the line. Sherelle, are you on the line? I'm on the line. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Uh, Hi. I I couldn't stay away. I love the show. I just wanted to come on and say hi. And um, I'm just so excited to meet you, Maria, and thank you so much for being on the program tonight. I'm just so happy to be on the show because David is just so wonderful. And I really love the fact that Oh, I might have gotten cut off, but that's okay. I just wanted to say hi and thank you. And, Hello, I can uh, hear you. Sorrel, can you hear me? I can hear you. I think uh, Maria must have got cut off. You know, anytime we have a psychic and a medium on or a healer or somebody that has a lot of energy around them, it always affects the system one way or another. So That's true. But, I like the fact uh, that she was talking about ley lines, and um, I uh, was interested in that because of that one program that we saw recently about how across the desert, how the different, it looked like um, UFO markings or something like that, but they were actually ley lines the way they did that, and, and how she mm-hmm. said that ley lines are just, you know, that's not something that we can change. That's just the way it is and, you know, the other things that we change. And it's just really interesting. So I'm just excited for the show. (laughs) Well, we try to cover so many different areas, especially I was saying earlier that between David and I, I figure we cover just about everything. (laughs) Yes. A lot of years in the business. Oh, yes. But, you know, know, when you have that type of experience you've had – time to do research and you know David loves you know we're moving into the new century where you know you have the laptops and the tweeting and the Facebooking and stuff but he still has to have hard copies of books he loves the hard copies of books oh so do I you know I find I like making little notes on the side and (laughs) Because it's easier to go back to, he still thinks, you know, I have this book, and to actually smell the book, and, you know, it's kind of a nostalgic thing. And um, But, you know, now they make it so readily available, and we, and we have to go into the future. We can't stay behind. We have to tap into that market as well. So it's it's very encouraging, very encouraging. 
Well, it's really funny yes. because I have a couple of books out, like I said, the Heaven Sent Money Spells, and I have another one all out right now that just came out called Your Personal Mega Power Spells. And I like the physical copy so I can touch it, feel it, you know. But I also have it on Kindle and Nook and other places. But with me personally, even though it's on Kindle, I'd rather have the physical books of anybody. Yes. Oh, yes. It's okay to have both. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maria, thank you so much for being on the show again. I'm going to turn it back to, you. to David and continue and my actually what I'll do is I'll healing energy so we can speed up your healing process a little bit if it's okay. That would be wonderful. That would be great. Wonderful. We need that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. So I wanted to ask I wanted to ask yes? uh you Maria a little bit before we get more into the books and different um methods is mm-hmm. you know you're you're from your family's from Hungary and were you born there as well? And could you tell us a little bit about that, like your family, the gifts in the family? Oh, sure. and that's that's always been exciting to me to hear about. Oh. <laughs> well, actually, I was born in Budapest, so I'm from there. Um, I have two sons, Rick and Rob, and they're from here. But uh, I grew up basically in um, partly in Hungary, in Hungary, and partly when I was here. My family was connected to the Hungarian community, so everybody speaks Hungarian, and the culture is more uh, European and then a combination of here. However, in Europe, my father um, never left Budapest because we came over during the revolution. And with him, uh, he was always psychic. And when he passed away, a year before he passed away, he passed away literally on his 99th birthday, And a year before he passed, he told me that he's getting a little tired. The other side looks so much better than here. He's going to give it another year, and then he's gone. So he cleared everything up, and literally to the day he said that, on his 99th birthday, he passed. He just went to sleep. And then um, on my mother's side of the family, she was very good with herbs. And both my grandparents on my mother's side were transmediums. They also did automatic writing. So it, it tends to run in my family. However, I truly believe that everybody's psychic. I just feel it's a matter of levels. Uh, as an example, I truly feel as if you were an artist, an example. Some people are artists, but everybody can draw. Well, my students laugh at me because I can't draw a stick figure straight. <laughs> I can write, but I can't draw. <laughs> so That's funny. I think it's a matter of levels. Now, how did you get started into, you know, um, do you use like, you know, use like spells, signs and symbols and things like that? How did you get started in that? Was that part of your, what you learned when you grew up, like rune stones and different things of that nature? Part of it is that I'm a shaman through Hungary, but I'm also a shaman where I'm connected to the Tuscarora tribe. And... When I first started out, you you know, when you're little and you're seeing things psychically, like people that passed away, different spirits, when you're doing astral travel, it's very normal to you. So it doesn't occur to you to ask if anybody else sees it. It's, It's a little bit like breathing. You just assume everybody else is doing the same thing you are. So in school, I started to realize everybody doesn't. So for a couple of years, I just stopped talking about it in front of people. But I've always been psychic. 
And I've always been able to connect to the other realm. And then with uh, the metaphysical, I really like to call it a cult because all a cult means is ancient wisdom or ancient knowledge. It isn't positive. It isn't negative. It's not connected to any religion. It's just because of TV. You know how it is now? They think, you know, dead pigeons. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. It's ancient knowledge. So uh, what happened with me was I learned through the European methods, and also most of the formularies that I came up with were because a client needed something done, and I go through meditation, and I do automatic writing, and I do channeling. I'm a medium. So through different sources, I would get the formulas of what would work for that particular person and situation. And then I found that if I repeated that method, you know, for years, then it would work every time because we're really the oldest science. In science, you have cause and effect, so we do the same thing. We find that if a formula works for a long time, you know, if you put the two chemicals together as an example, you know exactly what the outcome is every single time. So then I pass it on. If I tried something and it didn't work consistently, then we just don't pass it on because it's not as valid. So through time, I find that, um, you know, I've just come up with the ancient, but I've also come up with a lot of my own. That's interesting. And cause and effect and karma are kind of almost in the same bucket, more or less like (laughs) if I choose to throw a stone into a lake, it will, in effect, send out ripples, a wave, and it may bounce against the shore and come back at me. Is that similar exactly. to some type of, yeah, but on different ways and different levels, different energies, depends on how people do it. Or Yeah, I think it's a little bit know, like energy. It's like you're riding a wave. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so, too. Well, that, that's really interesting. There's, you know, so much to talk about. Uh, are you ready to take a caller yet? Of course. Anytime. Okay, we have a caller from area code 626. 626, you're on the air. What's your name, please? And welcome to Beyond the Gate. Great, thank you for taking my call. My name is Frank. I'm calling from California. Hello, Hello, Frank. Frank. Yes, how's everyone been and doing? Oh, wonderfully. Great. That's great. And you know, I'm That's glad great. I have a call because. Okay. Um, I have a question regarding my mother or Maria's estate. I've been involved in a legal issue against a sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, I have upcoming uh, court date of February 14th and March 8th. I'd like to know what will transpire those dates and the energy, the energy around my case. Okay. Uh, So, first of all, on the 14th, um, okay, I do feel that there might be a delay. It feels pretty strong around that. However, what I feel is it's a little bit slow in the movement in the direction that you want, but the changes are coming, and I do feel that it's going to be financially going more into your favor rather than somebody else's. Uh, I feel maybe around the fall, it's going to be a really good time for you, you know, uh, considering financial issues. 
But with this particular situation, I do feel that it's positive. The movement is there. If I may make a suggestion, are you going to court or are you just dealing with legal people, lawyers? No, I'm, I'm going to court. I have an attorney. His name is Mark. Okay. Now, first of all, with your attorney, it feels like he's really putting um, energy into it but you need to keep on top of it a little bit more to make sure that you're his priority because he has so much going on that he means to get to you and sometimes he doesn't. And sometimes we don't mean to be annoying, but sometimes we really need to be so that people work on it stronger. With this gentleman, you need to be a little bit more frequent with phone calls to touch base with him. Okay. Also with court, uh, I find if you're open to working metaphysically, are you open to that? Yes, definitely. Okay. One of the suggestions I have with court, and this really goes with anybody, when you go to court, you do not want to wear anything that is red or black. It's going to work against you. So as an example, you ever notice with judges they used to wear the black cloaks? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, it represents power and force. If you wear black or red into a courtroom, what the black will do, it will trigger a power play. What's going to happen consciously or subconsciously is that the judge or lawyers or other people will react to it on the level that they have to show you that you're wrong and they are right because it triggers a power play. You do not want that. So you don't want to wear black. The reason you don't want to wear red is when you wear red, it intensifies people's feelings, good, bad, or indifferent. So if somebody's in a good mood, they'll be in a better mood. If they're in a bad mood, you're going to trigger intensifying that. You don't want that with a judge as an example. So those are the two colors you want to stay away from. One of the best colors to wear to court is blue because it represents subconsciously, it represents trust. So we'll, they will trust your information or your word automatically without even talking to you. So that moves things a little bit more into your favor. Now, on the March date, I'm just checking. Um, on the March date, I feel that that's really a better time for them to make a decision. And again, things seem to be moving more in your favor. However, if you work on the colors, it's going to intensify the energy moving positively towards you more than it would have otherwise. Does that answer your question? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, okay. Also, the color, the color pink. I have a pink tie. Oh, that um, would be perfect. And the reason oh. is this. No, per absolutely perfect. The reason is this. The best colors are blue and pink for court. Blue is the strongest. But the reason for pink, you ever notice when you have, say, a friend that wears pink a lot, it's just about impossible to yell at them? <laughs> Okay, the reason is it brings out empathy in people. So when they see wow. pink, the first reaction is that they like you or they have empathy towards you. It's a very positive universal color for that. So if you combine blue and pink, you can't do better. Excellent. Excellent. Wow. Uh, you're, see, you're very intuitive yourself because you automatically pick that. <laughs> well, well, I'm blessed to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, anytime. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Um, 
Well, Actually, I want to mention something. Do we have a minute? Sure, take your time. Okay. Okay, I was going to say, and this might help people in general. Um, I actually have it in uh, in one of the books that just came out with me called Your Personal Mega Power Spells. And I came up with a system called TAP, T-A-P, because sometimes if you use a word that's short and that represents something, it's easier to remember how it works. Okay, so I just named it TAP. Now, this is the way you manifest. Think of it as a triangle. So if you look at the base of the triangle on the left, okay, that represents your thought, or T for tap. So that represents your thought. At the top, at the point of the triangle, you have the astral plane, okay, and at the bottom right of the triangle, you have the physical plane. So the way it works is, when you're creating your intent, when you're attracting something into your life, you put it out in thought because there's power in the word, so it doesn't matter if it's verbal or literally in thought because it has the same effect. So you put out your intent in thought. It goes to the astral plane to form, and then it comes back to the physical plane to hit and to actually come to you. So because it goes from thought to astral to physical, I just call it tap. It's easier to remember how to manifest. But I actually have it in the book. <laughs> That's amazing. It really is. Yeah. And you know, you well, know I like what? short I think sometimes. I find, especially with ancient methods, I find the simple, direct methods have more power. You didn't dilute it to make it look impressive. That's true. And, you know, energy, you put power into energy and it becomes more powerful. And that's, uh, you know, the abbreviations really do help because, you know, sometimes you can't remember those long names, but to associate it with, you know, a little shortcut like that and the picture of the triangle makes it easier to remember. I agree. Thank hmm. oh. you. <laughs> I liked I liked the color analogy very much because the first thing I was thinking about is pink is kind of passive and blue was my first and I was thinking oh true blue true blue that's where they get it from true blue oh you're honest you're trustworthy um, who was wearing the blue and you know things like that and then pink is kind of you know it's passive it's not as passionate and and emotional as red. Um, because red is, like you said, and then black is power and, um, you know, and I thought, oh, pink and blue like babies. <laughs> we want to protect babies in pink and blue, you know. It's our natural instinct to protect babies because they wear pink and blue. And oh, so, right. you know. And it's I like, oh. do that if you know how the um, colors and metaphysically how the subconscious works. It works for you because subconsciously we all react to color. Yes, quickly, more you know, uh, faster than we do words. Exactly. I find if I'm doing something um, psychically as an example or if I'm dealing with pets or animals, you know, everything is more in picture form rather than verbal form. Oh, right, right. Mm-hmm. So when you're really thinking or um manifesting as an example, you're really doing it in picture form more than in words. Yes, because you can't always, because what if you're reading someone from Africa who doesn't speak the language, but they're giving you 
pictures of what's going on, and you're able to, you know, understand. Oh, yeah, especially telepathically, everything seems to flow with vision. Yes. You know, uh, imagery rather than the words. It's a much more powerful force. So we just try to use things consciously to heighten that. I find when we're working with um, sigils and symbols, which is why I have them in my books, when you're working with something like that, there's a lot of power behind it because even if you don't understand it, now I explain it, but I just mean in general, if you don't understand something that's a picture form, it will still give you an impression. It still, as an example, will um, help you connect to angelic forces, Um, archangels, different spirits that are positive. And I only do positive work because I truly, truly believe, as we were talking about earlier, that whatever you put out comes back to you. Yes, I agree with that. You know, so even with um, I stepped in again. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Quiet observer. (laughs) That's wonderful. That's okay. I agree. No, when you hear the energy of music, it tends to make you feel better. If you see somebody dressed a certain way that's the speaker, they bring across a certain message. For example, I was watching some congressmen on TV lately and noticed they're all wearing black suits. And somebody that was passionate about making a point had you know, a bright colored tie on. And then on the other hand, when President Obama was speaking and he wanted, to, he wanted people to you know, sympathize with what, what he's saying, not only was he wearing the black suit for power, but he was wearing uh, a light, I think it was a light blue suit, you know, so that you would, he would kind of draw you in to agree with what he was trying to tell people. So those are just some examples. But, you know, I agree that on many levels, you know, visions, uh, sights, sounds, smells, all that has to do with uh, everything pretty much. Yes, and, that's what, and really, if you look at the suit he had with the blue, that just invokes trust. Yes, yes, it does. You know, and it does. Um, I always there was one candidate that had the patches on his elbows, and I thought, you know, he's trying to show that he's part of the people, you know, but it, it he kind of hey. lost lost himself in translation there, but. <laughs> You know, it's like the patches on the elbow, not everyone resonates with that, you know, so. Exactly, because that's more of a style thing. Yes. And some people culturally connect to it, some people don't. Right, right. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we you bring in another caller at this time? We have somebody yeah. that's been waiting since before the show started. <laughs> and I'd like to bring, <laughs> I mean, you know, these people really want to talk to you. So I'd like oh, to that's bring fine. In. I'd love to help. Thank you. <laughs> Area code two two four. Welcome to Beyond the oh. Gate. In your name, please. Hi, my name's Jill. Hi, Jill. Can I ask any kind of question? Any kind. It's totally non-limited. Okay, there's a group of us um, in where I live who my city isn't taking very care, very good care of the animals, so we're trying to get them to do it. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they clean things up a little because we're looking, but, you know, it's not permanent, and I know that. Um, right. What do you get on that? And the group, we're all butting heads, like, you know, some of us aren't believing the others, and they're not—they're believing the lies the city is telling them, and 
we're kind of butting heads. Okay, so what you really need to know is how the group's going to get along within themselves? What is causing the problems within the group? Oh, all right. I just want to make sure I'm clear with the question. Just give me one second. I'll check. Okay. Part of it is, I'll explain it. If you have a question about it or if I'm not being clear, please interrupt and ask me, okay? Okay. Okay. So what I'm seeing, Joe, is that you have two issues going on. One is that you're dealing with people that like to be in control, and when you have a couple of people that want to be in control or in the right, nobody is willing to give in and say, okay, I can be uh, right about one issue and somebody else could be right about another issue. The flexibility isn't there. So it's coming out of ego rather than looking at the situation itself and saying, okay, this is what's positive about the situation, this is what's negative, and this is how we can fix it. So a lot of this is control and ego rather than looking at the well-being of this, um, the animals or the situation. So one of the things that you want to do, two things, again, are you open to metaphysics? Oh, totally, 100%. Okay. Uh, do you have a specific place where you meet? Yes. As a group? Oh, no, we don't. It's not on the phone, though. It's physical? Where the group gets together? Yes, I'm saying, uh, does the group get together physically, or are they getting together on the phone? Um, a little of both. Okay. When they get together physically, the first thing you want to do, and preferably start it before they get there, but if you can't, when they get there, is you can go a couple of different ways. You can either bring some roses into the room for the scent. You can burn rose incense. Um, you can burn a candle that has the scent of a rose. The point is to get the scent into the room. Now, if you don't, you don't need to explain exactly what you're doing, although you can, okay? However, you can always say, um, I'm in just that kind of a mood where I'm in a rose mood where I like the scent. However, you right. can actually explain it to them because it'll work whether they understand it or not. When you have right. the scent of the rose in the room, it's very calming. It starts putting everybody in a, a more relaxed state where they get along with each other a little bit more. And it puts everybody in a better mood. So as an example, if, uh, say, you were in your home, and you ever notice that with people, they tend to argue more in the same room after a while? They'll always argue in the kitchen or the bedroom or the living room. There's a tendency yeah, for one room more than another. And the reason is, yeah, because the reason is, the end, when you argue, if you do that a couple of times in the same room, after a while, the vibration of the room itself will trigger arguments. So if you burn rose as an incense or if you have the flower in the room, after an argument as an example, what it does is it changes the vibration of the room to be peaceful and calm so you don't trigger an argument the next time in the, you're in the room automatically. Or right. if you have children that have trouble going to sleep, if you have that scent in the room before they go to sleep, they will be calmer and more relaxed and they'll get to sleep easier. So if you have that in the room with the group, it will tone down the disagreement. And again, if you wear pink, then that's going to put everybody a little bit more in sync. If you want people to listen to you, 
then what you wear is yellow because yellow is a teaching learning color. Uh, I find when I lecture as an example, or um, I have a TV show once a week, and many times I will wear, wear yellow so people listen to me. It isn't controlling. I only work positive. It doesn't control okay. people to make a decision in your favor. What it does is it makes people listen to what you're really saying instead of thinking about what they're doing in an hour, and then they can either agree or disagree with you, but at least the decision is from what you really said. So if you combine the rose, the scent of the rose, and you're wearing yellow, it puts okay. things more in your favor so that everybody can be a little bit more in sync. See, and they think I'm a bit too aggressive, but I know my city and I know nothing else works. Yeah, well, you know what it is? Sometimes you have to take action. You know, being spiritual doesn't mean passive. Oh, I know. Thank you. Right, really, because when you look at, um, I happen to be an interfaith minister, but I'm Christian-based. So if you look at um, the Bible as an example, and I don't mean it as a religious thing, I just mean it as an example, people always look at um, Christ as being very passive, but if you look at it, somebody threw all those merchants off the temple steps. That doesn't sound too passive. (laughs) So sometimes yeah, we need to take action too. in a positive way. I've heard that, too. Jesus got angry, too. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, you know, there's a difference when you're uh, spiritual. It doesn't mean passive to let people walk on you. What it means is that you're always doing what you feel in your heart, not by society rules, but spiritually you feel you're doing the right thing by your ethics and your standards and your belief system, whatever that may be. You're right. It has nothing That's to do correct. with um, man-made religion. That's correct. Because mm-hmm. following, you know, there's, we're trying to deal with people who don't want to work with us, you know, so there has to be some action where you're not giving them a choice. And like I said, if you do the rose and if you wear the colors, you know, that will put it a little bit more in your favor so that they'll be a little bit more flexible towards you because you want to be able to help the animals. Definitely. By the way, um, in case this helps a little bit, because I am a healer, and I do have my own method of healing that I developed through years, one of the things you want to be aware of is when we're sending healing energy to um, any animal, what you want to do is visualize them in the color red or focus on mentally thinking that you're sending red healing energy because the healing energy for animals is different than people. So the energy that actually heals animals or speeds up their natural healing process is the color red. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I, I find most people really don't because they just assume that it's the same as with us. But right, it's really a different vibrational level, and we want to help them. Now, if we're sending a different color, it won't hurt them, but it won't help them either. Right, I know what you mean. <laughs> well, thank you. You were very, very helpful. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to be of help, Jill. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank oh, you for calling. Thank you so much. Thank you. Anytime. Yes, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hmm. Well, that was very interesting. You know, uh, you know we want to help. On the show. 
Yeah. You know, it's and, you know, too because, you know, when you're dealing with children and, um, you know, uh, adults, a lot of times that energy is also different. I find I actually have um, in my book with the um, uh, Mega Power Spells, I find I actually put in a children's protection prayer. It's actually a spell that's a very, very ancient spell that's been modernized a little bit so that when children go to sleep, if they learn that as a short little quick prayer, then before they go to sleep, they're actually putting out protection for themselves so that they're safe, you know, rather than to get into very complicated things. Well, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I have a question about about children with ADHD and things of that nature, while sure. people ask questions, what what can they do to help calm the child or focus or, you know, do a little something to improve their, their condition? Do you have any recommendations on that? Um, again, if somebody's open to metaphysics, one of the things is that you want to have um, a couple of different things in the room and there's no conflict. You can have it one at a time. You can have more than one at the same time. That helps. Calming energy comes in different forms. So as an example, we were just saying like the scent of rose is a calming energy. Uh, chrysanthemum, as an example, is a calming energy. So if you have those flowers in a room, it puts them more in a calm state. Uh, not extremely calm where um, we're toning them down too much, but in a calmer state. Uh, as an example, carnation, if you have those flowers in the room, carnation speeds up your natural healing process. So that's a good plant as an example to give somebody as a present if they're in the hospital or if they're not feeling well. But it speeds up your natural healing process. Also with gemstones, if you have rose quartz in the room, if you have amethyst in the room, they're very positive stones where they're calming but they're also stabilizing any stone that is brown, um, as an example, tiger's eye, which is a brown stone with little uh, gold lines, veins going through it, that's a protection stone. However, it's also a stone that will ground you so that it gives you a little bit more stability. Uh, so those are stones that are positive. Yellow is an excellent color uh, in that situation because if you want somebody to learn, as an example, Yellow triggers them paying attention. If you're saying something, say you're teaching somebody, uh, if you're wearing yellow, it helps people to pay attention to what you're saying. It doesn't mean you're making them agree with you. It just means they're listening instead of thinking about what they're doing later on. It helps them focus. So in that situation, if you want um, children to focus on something, you may want to put a yellow background behind it such as, say, a yellow oak tag, and they will actually pay more attention to it automatically. So that will well, help. That, that's good. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and then you, you want to stay away color. from red. Again, it intensifies feelings. Oh, okay. I had a question about gemstones that I purchased, and I have a collection of all oh, kinds. Oh, great. But, but uh, I had a, uh, a few years back, I drawn to buy uh, I guess it's a pyramid shaped beautifully polished stone which I wear uh, around my neck from time to time uh, smoky quartz can you tell me anything oh, about what... smoky quartz oh sure well that is a number of things 
most gemstones work on multi-level. And with the smoky quartz, it does a couple of things. It does protection. And there's something that people really don't connect to it nowadays. Some of it's been lost through, uh, you know, through time. When we are working with the ancient methods, we're just a little bit more aware because it's passed down more um, master to initiate, master to initiate. And by the way, uh, there's a misunderstanding about that. Nowadays, when they um, look at mystery schools, and I happen to have um, a mystery school. It's called. Uh, it's on my website. It's called the DeAndre Institute of Esoteric Studies. It is a mystery school. And nowadays, what they lost was when they think master to initiate. Most people look at it as you're a master over the initiate because you're teaching them. However, that's not what it meant originally. What it means originally is that you are master over yourself and you have now reached a level of ability that you have mastered. So basically, you're a master over your abilities and yourself. An initiate just means that it's somebody in the process of learning. So if you're teaching that person, you're helping them, but you are not a master over them um, according to the ancient ways, which is the way I really teach. Okay. So with the smoky quartz, um, from an ancient point of view, it does protection. It gives you clarity of mind. So if you're having a hard time making a decision, as an example, it will actually help you make the decision quicker and easier. Uh, it works on the mental faculties. It also has protection levels. And one of the things that it does on the spiritual plane is it clears up misconceptions. So as an example, if you were reading a book, and I don't mean it negatively, I'm an author, I can say this, right? <laughs> yeah. If you're reading if you're reading a book and somebody accidentally put misinformation in it because they didn't understand it, not because they weren't trying to be accurate or they weren't positive, then you would read the book and go, you know, the energy just doesn't feel right to me. And then you can look into it as research, but it would just feel off because you're near the stone. It gives you clarity on spiritual matters also. So it's a very good stone for you. Very good. Because it's spiritual worry, and analytical and protection. I usually worry you know, that as a during group. Sure. Well, then I got the right got the right uh, stone there amongst some of the Definitely. other ones I have. That's a very good stone. Well, thank you for that information. And um, we got a lot of people that want to talk to you, so I'll bring That's in somebody fine. else. <laughs> you have a lot of information. You have a lot of information. We could probably talk all day, but we only have two <laughs> hours. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm really impressed. We we have uh, every code nine five one. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hello. Hello. Thank you. Um, can I get a general reading, or do I need to be more specific? Uh, no, you can get a general one. Okay, that'd be great. Okay, okay. Uh, hold on. Uh, I need your first name, please. It's Donna. Okay, hi, Donna. <laughs> hi. Okay, first of all, this is a phenomenal time in the next eight months for you, dealing with any level of communication. For two reasons. One is it's kind of like being on a communication high, which means 
as an example, you're going to be dealing from two levels right now. If you're listening to somebody, you're listening to what they're saying, but you're going to feel what they really mean. Now, that doesn't automatically mean that the person fibbed. It could just be that they had misinformation and they were passing that on because they didn't know any better, or um, or they fibbed. <laughs> okay, But you're going to be able to tell the difference. Okay. Um, also, when you're speaking to people right now, you'll find that you will automatically speak in a way that they understand. It won't be conscious. As an example... Let's see. As an example, if I'm talking to businessmen, uh, most of the time I speak on the level of it pertains to. If I'm mm-hmm. speaking to somebody, I'm in New York. If I'm speaking to somebody, as an example, hanging out on the street, we're back to um, Weeby Bam. <laughs> oh. We're not talking up or down to anybody. We're just speaking in a way that's understandable to everyone. So mm-hmm. what happens with you is you will automatically do that at this point, without thinking about it. So you're excellent as a communicator right now. Uh, You're very good with people. And in the next five months, your energy is going to be very high. So this is an action time for you. The more you do, the better you're going to do. This is not a time to just sit around and plan and uh, take your time doing things. This is the time where you can make plans, but you need to actually act on them for them to work for you. Also, in the next eight months, this is a good time for you uh, financially. I'd say you're about two months into your finance picking up. Okay. 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 That'll be that'll be good. Thanks. But uh, you know, I don't feel it picking up as in you know an extreme jump. It's more a little Mm -hmm. bit at a time, but it's going in that direction. And nowadays, just uh, not going under is really well. Mm -hmm. Stability is good. You're actually uh, moving upward. Oh, good. That sounds great. Yeah. Like that. Just remember, the main thing right now is that it is an action time. This is not a time to put out um, or to put off making moves. What you want to do is make a plan and just move on it quickly because everything will just flow right now. Also, right. because if you don't take action, there's a tendency for you to miss opportunities if you yeah. take too long on making a decision where normally it really wouldn't matter. Right. Okay. I'll do that then. Thank you for the advice. Okay. Anytime. Thank you. Have a good evening. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Have Thank a good day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. Well, it was amazing. Now, do you know a lot of people that are trying to make it in these difficult times these days, you know, besides putting out, let's say another example, I get a lot of people that ask me, well, you know, I'm looking for a job. Do you think I'm going to get something soon? Do you think one of these offers are coming up or whatever? And, you know, I ask him, did you put in some offers? Now you're just waiting to hear from them? Are, are you continuing your search? Because if you, you know, put some applications in and things look kind of good, you should keep going because it puts more power into you getting something rather than to take an action and sit around and wait for it. Don't you agree with that? Oh. Oh, definitely. I find people forget that even though we're working spiritually and metaphysically, we're working both realities, the physical and the non-physical. Otherwise, we wouldn't be on this plane. (laughs) Um, I personally feel, especially with jobs and with situations like that, 
I feel the best way to create situations is you put it out in thought. What you And this is really important. You really have to have an intent or a goal. And the goal can be as vague as um, I need a job immediately for, um, let's see, for affording my bills. Okay? So it doesn't have to be I need to be in um, computer work at this company at this time at this location. Of course, the more detail you have, the better it's going to hit, but the more detail you have, it also delays it a little bit so that it can bring you exactly what you want. But you need to put it out your thought, your intent of what you want, and what's extremely important in metaphysics is that you need to expect it. Because if you don't put the emotion of expectancy behind it, it's kind of like a generator. If you don't turn the generator on, it's not going to pull in the same way. And then you have to know that it's coming in. It's a level of trust. So if you look at it as you put it out in thought, you expect it, and you know it's coming in, it definitely hits. Unfortunately, we can't always time when it hits. But the more thought you put behind it, like I said, you put it tap, you put it into thought, astral, and physical, the more thought you put behind it and the more you expect it and know it's coming in, the quicker it does that. Well, that's similar to is how that sounds very similar to somebody praying daily for something to manifest. For example, isn't that you know, like they say, the power of prayer? Isn't it very similar? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I look at it a little bit differently. I think prayer is a very powerful tool. It's a very powerful force. I don't think it's the same as manifesting on this level because in prayer. And, uh, again, this is just how I look at it, but from a metaphysical point of view, prayer is a request. As an example, if you're asking a friend to go to the store for you, they may say, yes, they'll go and pick up whatever you want, or they may say, well, not at this time. So prayer is a request. Uh, When you're working metaphysically, it isn't a request. It's a definite. It's a statement of fact. So when you're putting out the thought or your intent, you're stating what you're creating in your life as opposed to asking for. So if you're creating a job, as an example, uh, you wouldn't be saying um, that you really hope the job comes in or you're asking for the job to come in. What you would actually be saying is, I now create whatever the situation is. Like, I now create my new job or my new perfect job, because it has to be perfect for you. So it's more of a statement of fact, or in some situations it's a command. And, you know, prayer works on a phenomenal level. It's just different. I'm glad you cleared that up. That makes an awful lot of sense. It's it's very interesting. And they're both wonderful power tools. They just come from a different way. It's amazing that you know, you have so much knowledge in the metaphysical field here. You know, you teach, you lecture, you speak and everything that, you no, know, whatever a caller question they may have, you can go in many directions which will really help, you know, look into and take care of the situation, you know, through your answers. I'm just really impressed. I, you know, rarely have a guest on like you that's just, you know, so knowledgeable and, no hesitation, you know, the information just keeps flowing. I'm really fascinated just <laughs> listening to you. Well, I really appreciate that. 
you know, it's funny. I really look at it as the best thing you can say about yourself when you're the best psychic on the planet is that you're okay as a tool. So if you had any ego, it just takes it out because none of it is my information. I'm just tuning in for information. So it's really funny. I used to work with um, the military, and we we used to work on strategy, maneuvers, weapons. And when I'm not working psychically, my students tease me all the time because I have no sense of direction. (laughs) But you're tuning into a source for information, so you can't really take the credit for it. It just works. (laughs) Yes, I I totally understand that. That's amazing. I have another interested caller here. Boy, these people, they stay on the line for a long time. They really want to talk to you. So we have (laughs) another caller, and then we'll chit-chat about something else interesting. Sure. Okay. I just want to make sure you're okay with that. I don't want to bum-rush you. We have Eric Code 626. Welcome to Beyond the Gate. Your name, please. That's area code 626. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Beyond the Gate. What's your name, please? Yes, uh, this is Frank. I had spoken to you earlier. Um, Hi, how are you? (laughs) Great. That's great. I have another question, if you don't mind answering. Oh, of course. Okay. Um, Basically, I have a a sibling. Her name is Linda. I haven't seen her in over three years. I was Mm -hmm. wondering how is her health? Okay, Um, I need to know uh, more or less how old she is. Uh, Yes, Uh, she's uh, 55. She was she's a Gemini born on June 8th, 1956. Okay, let me just see. And you're checking on her health, right? Yes. Okay. Okay, um, uh, it's a, it's a little bit different than using runes or other methods as an example. So it takes me it took me a second only because it's like scanning somebody's body health wise at a distance. Okay, so with her, um, and I never tell you anything um, that I don't actually see. So bearing that in mind, I don't feel her health is doing that well right now. I do feel that uh, she's okay, but her health really isn't doing that well. I feel something off with um, flow. So it would be either um, her blood flow or any type of fluid in her body because what I'm seeing is anything that's uh, flowing in her body is a little bit off. Usually it's the blood from what I'm feeling, uh, I don't feel that as something detrimental, but I do feel she has some issues with it. Um, I also feel she might have a tendency for blood clotting, but again, it's not something that's going to be detrimental to her health as much as, you know, on a minor level it would be there. But in general, um, just checking, in General, like I said, she's up and down a little bit, but basically she'll be okay. But it does fluctuate up and down. So I hope that helps okay. a little bit. Um, also, yeah. what happens with her, just because if you don't mind, I pick up other things about her. Is that all right? Sure, by all means. Oh, okay. The other thing with her is that sometimes she can be too analytical as opposed to emotional. 
So it isn't negative. It's just everybody's different. So as an example, uh, spiritually you feel much more sensitive to me where she feels where she can analyze something to death and then miss the emotional part. She's very home-oriented, but that's not the same thing. So I hope that helps a little bit. That's, that's interesting. That really is. Thank you so much. Oh, anytime. You, you're, you're more than welcome. Okay. Any blessings? Okay, take care. All right. Bye-bye. Why? Well, you just can't get enough of the show, huh? <laughs> that's pretty interesting. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. I'm just more than happy to help people. <laughs> you know, when uh, a lot of people may not understand that we have the, I don't know what you want to call it, the cosmic internet or whatever. Is you no, know, some people say, right. well, you know, I'm in um, Singapore. How can you? First of all, how can you talk to my parents because they don't speak English? Second of all, they must be so far away. I actually had a lady, I think, from India or or somewhere recently asked me that. And then I just told them that, you no, know, their dimension is really close to ours. It's not really like a far away place. And the energy, you, know, you are focusing on the energy and you, and you automatically go to that person. It's kind of like a snowflake or a fingerprint, you know, it's very specific. Don't don't you agree with that? That oh, definitely. That's how we can instantly tap into that. Definitely, and I always look at it as you know when we're, we're when we're talking to people naturally, like we're talking now, um, because I work with scientists. We work with the scientific community also, because like I said, we're the oldest science. And when you're talking to people. On the everyday level, your brainwave is on what's called the beta brainwave level, where when you're working psychically, it's on um, alpha theta brainwave level. So really, we're totally non-limited because we're just tuning into that energy, which is universal. It doesn't matter, like you said, whether somebody is at a distance down the block, next door, in front of you, because we're not looking at it that way. So we're just tuning into a source for them or about them. I find uh, most people look at it as there are four levels. There's um, alpha, beta, alpha, theta, delta. And it always, I always find it interesting that nobody talks about the fifth brain wave. You know, so. Of course, um, yeah. You know, because I really haven't heard about that anywhere. And I would have thought that that would be a natural explanation when you're working on brainwave levels. But um, the fifth one, by the way, is uh, gamma. So gamma is, uh, you have gamma, beta, alpha, theta, delta. So you're going from high to like a deeper depth level uh, on the brainwave level. And gamma is your flight level. So in a fight, you're on gamma. So um, when we're working, we're just tuning in wherever somebody is because I, I always look at it like this, and it's a um, shamanic way of looking at things. In fact, the Native Americans also use this outlook, that if you look at uh, a spider web, if you're on one part of the spider web and somebody else is on the other part, first of all, if you shake the web, it affects everybody on the web. But also you can connect to them through that little web to get information for them. So yes, I, I think you're right. Sense. It's the same thing. You don't really, we don't have that distance effect because 
Um, distance and time is man-made. It sure is. Now, if somebody, if you walk into a warehouse and it's supposed to be empty, and you just know, you just feel that there's somebody staring at you, you know, you can tell. And so, you know, it's so strong, you just spin around and look up, and there's somebody in the loft staring at you, sure enough, and you didn't think anybody was there. Doesn't the energy of them focused on you, perhaps in par- particles, gathered together and going in a wave, uh, go toward you and you know, hit your aura and ripple through it and it goes to your, either your pineal gland or somewhere which distributes it to your nerves and to your brain instantaneously and that's what causes you to know and feel that somebody's staring at you. Well, that's very positive, you know, because I find it's a, I I find it's a combination of things, and definitely that one is very accurate because I'm sure you felt it yourself. But uh, that's a very oh, yeah. very good explanation of it. Um, I also feel that we have um, because I do, like I said, different methods. I do um, uh, dowsing and psychometry and different methods, and I find actually the way you look at it is if it's not astrology, I do it. <laughs> And I find Same that we have photosensitive cells in our body. So one of the strongest points for picking up psychic information, uh, picking up or sending, but one of the most sensitive areas of our body happens to be through our eyes, our, our palms, our fingertips, the third eye. And what most people don't realize is what's very, very sensitive psychically with us are our backs. People don't think of that. You ever notice if you're walking down the street for a while and you feel like somebody's behind you, when you turn around, somebody usually is, like you were saying about the loft? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? And some of it is um, the photosensitive cells that happen to be in your body. It's a flight uh, survival instinct. That's like when you look at a little cute little bunny rabbit and you see a predator flying above it, Okay. The rabbit will run before it can physically see the predator in flight because they don't have that type of physical vision. So they feel the uh, energy on their back and they run before they ever physically see the bird. We That's, have the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know. That's but, where uh, I, I feel that in, intuitively sometimes you just know. There's no way to explain it. You just know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And it's they always say the hairs come up on the back of your neck. It's all the back. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a very That's sensitive right. area. Now, are you open to questions about deceased loved ones and the spirit world? About anything. I'm fine. <laughs> I noticed that in some readings that I got, like I've read for a family, it was quite uh, what this particular reading. It's just an example. Many have done quite a, a long reading, and the whole family came through with all these personalities, which I know they said, well, it's the same personality they had when they were alive. And then somebody else came through, and they had you know, committed suicide. They had said mm-hmm. it, and they didn't, they weren't with the group. You know, I can see the spirits because I'm clairvoyant. So as I was communicating with them for the family, this other person came in, from the left, from a different area that they, the family in spirit was from. 
and this spirit was not in a bad place or anything like that. It's just that he said he wasn't ready to join the family yet, and, but he mm-hmm. was okay. So, so don't, don't you agree that perhaps you know they're being helped to recover in some way before it's time for them to join the family from where they came from, like on a different level spiritually or in a different area? So no, people I agree should worry about somebody that's committed suicide. No, I agree with you. I find that everybody goes at their own pace, whether in um, the physical reality or spiritual reality, because they have so much to work out on their own and to realize where they are and who they are on the spiritual plane, that they need to work some of that out to be able to be integrated back if there's already a group formed. They have to be on the same level to um, match, for lack of a better term. So I look at this the same way you do. Yeah. Okay. I find this... And the, the, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead and finish saying that. I find that if uh, somebody, as an example, passes on, uh, they usually pass on to a realm that they really thought very intensely about, that this is their belief system, whatever it may be. So they're creating where they're going next ahead of time. So if somebody somebody believes in heaven or hell or whatever they believe in, uh, some Native American tribes, as an example, believe that when they pass on, that they go down a river in a boat, in a canoe, and they go to their ancestors um, on the other shore where they're living exactly the same way in teepees, except that they don't have to struggle as much, but they still hunt and do everything else. So... Whatever your belief system is, I feel that's where you go until you get to an area where you realize that spiritually we're all connected and then we're on the same plane, and then you can work more on reincarnation or different choices. But initially, I feel we go to wherever our belief system takes us. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to bring that up next. For for example, uh, one thing is, you know, I don't, I'm not one that, you know, I pretty much just do readings, research, and talk and all that. But, you know, there's been times when I have was brought to a place and I didn't know what they wanted because I tell people not to tell me anything. And they wanted me to cross over some ghosts that were there. So mm-hmm. I was able to get most of them except for one that was kind of hiding. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and, sent, and that is sent more difficult than you're making it sound in case, you know, the people aren't aware of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but I, I send some of them to the light, not all of them want to go. And uh, I, so I, you know, when I talk to deceased loved ones in the spirit world, heaven, whatever you want to call it, you know, I don't have a chance to see how they got there. Usually I don't ask them. But the ghosts had a chance to see that when the light opened up, one of them went up, I can see like a long staircase. Another one went across a bridge, and another one, you know, kind of like, went into the light, and at the end of the light, you can see people waiting for them. And then I was thinking about, gee, how come they're they're going different ways, I mean, to the light, you know, but they're going different ways. And then what you stated about what the belief system is, then people have asked me, well, you know, I believe in in the, in the Bible, for example. I'm a Christian that, you know, I, my mother died. She's not perfect, and I'm afraid she might go to hell. And, uh... Maybe they might, 
go to something like that in your mind until an angel comes and tell you tells them what are you doing? You know this this is all in your mind. Come over here. But the point is, I've never seen anybody burning in flames. I did thousands of readings. Okay, I've never seen anybody in flames before. They're always in a bright, happy, beautiful place. What, what's your opinion on that? Um, I feel it's a transition state, and then they go to wherever their belief system is. And I find that it's kind of like uh, like you were saying about a bridge or a staircase that leads them to wherever their belief system takes them. And I really feel that when they're when they're in that element, they just go directly to what they believe in. So if, as an example, somebody believes in Mother Earth and Father Sky, they're going to go somewhere different than somebody Christian. But in the end, everybody's more aware of where they actually are on the spirit plane. It's kind of like waking up. So I feel that that white light is your transition state. Now, in the transition state, um, what I found, and I'm sure you have also, but what I found from dealing with people that passed on, the transition state can be anywhere from two seconds to hundreds of years. They go at their own pace, especially earthbound spirits. They could be here for a very long time because they don't have that same sense of time as we do. Don't you find the same thing Yeah. when you're working with them? No longer. Right, they're no longer uh, going on time anymore. They're not. Cause exactly. They don't, you know, they're they're no longer in a physical body, in, in an energetic body, you know, everything just is. There is no uh, sense of, of time moving like it is in a, in a body. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're in the spirit world, it's kind of like you know, you're here, and you have a dream, and you're thinking about, well, I don't know, you know, if I die and go to heaven, and it's going to be like a dream for me. It's going to be real. And I tell them that no, um, the quietness of our world is the busyness of the spirit world, and the busy, uh, the quietness of the spirit world is the busyness of our world. In other words, uh, the spirit world is kind of like a dream to us in this body because we're kind of blocked, you know, with this physical heavy energy, but once you pass away and go to the spirit world, that then our world is more like a dream, and that's the reality. And when you're in your, you know, your consciousness is the real body. So when you die, let's say you didn't transition it in your ghost, you don't think you're dead because you feel alive because you're, you know, you're still aware, and that energetic body that you're in is, is your real body, so you feel like you're alive. Do you agree with that? Oh, definitely. I think the way um, I look at it personally and, you know, from a metaphysical point of view, people look at it as you're you're a spirit in a physical body where we look at it as, uh, I mean, a physical body with a spirit where we look at it as you're a spirit where um, the the spirit is actually you and the physical body is very transient, do you know what I mean? Yes. It's the opposite. It's kind of like um, people looking at it as the physical body is you and the spirit is within it. We look at it as the spirit is you with the physical body inside the spirit. That's why when you look at an auric field, it's bigger than your physical body because that's actually you. 
That's right. And then I want to ask you about psychometry. The first time I did it, uh, I held somebody's wallet and I started getting all kinds of stuff. And you know, <laughs> things I wouldn't I wouldn't suspect. I you know, I didn't know that this person was from uh was he was a Caucasian male, spoke perfect English, and I guess he was born in the United States. But apparently he was working in Hong Kong as a dentist and I got that that's what he was doing over there and I was I thought I was I could be wrong. So I asked <laughs> him and he confirmed it. But you know, I find I mean you know, when you pick up an object that somebody wears or maybe it's in a clock in the living room or something like that, that, it, you know, the energy, how does the energy of somebody, of their memory, get into a clock that's in their living room that they, let's say they have a mantle clock and they spend a lot of time in there, but how do you find out all these different things about them from that clock if you pick it up and focus on that clock? Well, I find that you have your energetic imprint into objects. So as an example, if, you're aware, if you have that, if you own it for years and you, you touch it, it's in the room with you, it's yours, it's picking up your energetic imprint. So it's picking up information about you, uh, genetically, your DNA code. You, and we look at it as you have two um, DNA levels. You have the physical DNA, for lack of a better term, and you have spiritual DNA. So you actually, we look at it as there's two, two strands. And it's picking up the imprint of both. So when we touch the object, we're actually just picking up the impressions left by that person. That's why I find if somebody gives me, as an example, a um, necklace or something that they picked up at a flea market, I'm really not going to pick up the information about the person that gave it to me. If they bought it two days ago, I'm going to pick up the original owner. So one of the first things I do is ask how long the person's owned or worn that object. There you go. But I find that it's very direct energy. Uh, I'm more clairvoyant, so a lot of times I pick it up visually, you know, psychic vision. So I see it in pictures. Um, I'm clairaudience sometimes. You know, we don't always use the same ability. It switches on and off. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I pick it up like that, and sometimes I just know. No, but I'm, as long but, as they've owned it for a while, uh, I also so feel with psychometry, you can in- get information about your environment. So if you were going to move somewhere that has um, earthquakes, as an example, and you don't know that, if you go to the area where you're thinking of, as an example, building a house, if you pick up a stone off the ground or a rock off the ground, and you focus on it, you're going to get information about the environment to know if it floods if it has earthquakes, if it has hurricanes, or if it's just wonderful and you should build there. So it does give you a shortcut. That's good. That's very helpful, too. And, and I like doing that whenever I've done it. Now I have a question about gazing. I noticed that, you know, you know, we can talk about psychics and prophets, you know, going back to the Oracle of Delphi and probably, you know, since time began. But in ancient Greece, there is um, an order of monks that had uh, temple and underground chambers, and somebody would go in there, you know, and be cleansed and everything, and wait in a certain chamber. And then the monks would lead him into another chamber, which they'd be seated low, and there'd be a black polished obsidian on the wall, and a low light with a candle, 
that they were to gaze into the obsidian, and after a while, spirits of their deceased loved ones would supposedly show up. Now, I've tried gazing uh, one time just to kill some time at one of the expos I was at into a crystal ball, and I actually saw, you know, a monk in the crystal ball, and that's the only, that's, I only ever did it one time. It didn't scare me mm-hmm. or anything. I just thought it was really cool, you know. But what <laughs> uh, we never talk about gazing on the show, so I, I want to take the opportunity to ask you about what do you think about, you know, people using gazing as a way to tap into the other side or uh, I think anything it's really accurate. I do that. Like I said, as long as it's not astrology. <laughs> um, and I find any surface that's shiny and reflects, Basically, any surface I find will work for that. Um, I've used mirrors. I've used the black obsidian, um, the clear quartz crystal. You can do that in bubbles in, um, you know, those little bubbles that kids blow. You can basically do yes. it doing it out of anything that has a clear surface. Now, I find that the black obsidian tends to work better because you're not reflecting, as an example, something in the room. So I find personally that the best way to work with it is you want to dim the lights um, if you're working it as consciously doing a reading with it so that nothing reflects, like a picture on the wall as an example. Okay? Or when you're used to doing it, then your focus is so intent on the crystal that everything else is automatically blocked out anyway. And when you focus from alpha or psychic vision, then automatically you start seeing pictures in it. I always look at it as seeing a movie without the sound. Didn't you find that when you did that? Oh, definitely, most definitely. I always have the urge to turn the volume up. (laughs) But I feel that it's an excellent focus. But anything shiny I found will work for that. And now I want to ask you a question you probably get asked quite a bit. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. worried about professional psychics and mediums using a Ouija board, you know, in the seance or something like that. But, you know, mm-hmm. the average person, you know, the neotype practitioner, somebody right. that's curious about an Ouija board. Now, Ouija boards are just an object, but they can be used to uh, to open the door to the spirit world and you know, if people knew that, they should know what they're doing, of course. They should be at least taught by somebody how to do it properly. So it's my belief that they can be safe. But if somebody is using it and they succeed to you know, open up the spirit world and they don't ask for anybody specific or using protection, just invite whoever it is in, don't you think that they're kind of asking for trouble? Oh, definitely. I find um, any classes that I teach or any, you know, workshops as an example, I will never teach people how to do things without teaching them how to do psychic self-defense first because I feel it's imperative. It's a safety level. And I'm always saying this in classes, on the spirit level, on the energetic level, on the spirit plane, uh, it's like electricity. You don't see it, but you don't put your hand in the socket, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, I really feel that it's extremely important to protect yourself. Once you can do that, then if you're using the Ouija board, which I feel that you're accurate and you're right about having a teacher because you don't know what you're doing otherwise, 
you don't want to accidentally, as an example, call in something positive and have kind of like, uh, for lack of a better term, a hitchhiker come along with it. So you have to be very careful because you're opening the gates and you don't know if you're getting positive or negative if you don't know what you're doing. And on the negative side, uh, you can get very hurt. People don't realize that. You can get out of sync mentally or emotionally. It can put you out of alignment on the spirit plane where eventually you'll shift back, but there are people that haven't. You know, if you're lucky, you got in contact with a positive spirit that helped you and you did well, but you still don't know how it's going to hit the next time without being safe. So I really feel it's a dangerous tool to practitioners that are new to it that really don't know how to. I agree. I totally agree. I definitely agree because it's, you know, a lot of times the, the media, you know, with all these new shows, they don't show you how to go in depth on how to make sure that you're protected and you think, oh, nothing happened, everything is fine, but then um, it could, it, it might not happen that moment, it might happen later, and you just have to, you know how um, the TV gives a movie version of how, you know, okay, and then here's the stage and here's a white light, okay, I blow out the candles and everything is fine, everybody's great, you know. <laughs> and, you know, you think, oh, yes, everything is good, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're waking up in the middle of the night, you're you're psychically hearing someone walking down the hall or you're, you know, it could be anything, you know, but it's just like when you go to a place, you know, someone says, oh, come on over, we're having, you know, a party. You could have a hitchhiker that way too, you know, or Definitely. Uh, go to a psychic fair. You know, you have to learn how to, you know, shield yourself. And David was really, I guess, my very first psychic fair I felt like I had something sitting on my chest that I couldn't, mm-hmm. it was so heavy, and I, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And um, I was just overwhelmed. And in that instance, that's what taught me most about, you know, protection and, and everything and, you know, how important it is, you know, and if people don't learn anything else, you learn protection, and you can move on from there. Exactly, because at least as long as you know protection, even if you make a mistake, you're safe. Yes, I agree. And, and that's a tremendous difference. I find when people watch TV, they first of all, they don't realize what people do before they do the show. And mm-hmm. some people that shows, it doesn't mean that they're heavy into what we do. Okay. Um, As an example, I'm a member of the Ghost Research Society for God knows how many years. So we we track. I'm a tracker. And one of the things that you do is before you go to anywhere that's haunted or dealing with spirits that passed or any hauntings, the first thing you do is protection. And as you said, when people watch the TV show, that's never even mentioned. Right. You know, now I don't know if the people on the shows protect themselves ahead of time or not, but... You know, they don't let the public know, and then the public, you know, anybody trying to get into this, if they try something on their own, they can be seriously hurt. Hopefully not, but it's a 50-50. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That is right. Because a lot of the shows on TV, they're really actors. Everybody isn't psychic. Some of them are actors. That's true. Which is fine, but they should mention that in the credits. (laughs) Well, and also, yes, they should. 
you know, or mm-hmm. if even if they've had an experience, it doesn't make them an expert on it unless they state, hey, you know, this person is an expert, blah, blah, blah. But exactly. you have to search your own heart and you're, you know, ask your guides and angels, is this person the person that's going to help me to, you know, clear my house to protect, you know, to show me how to protect, to show me how, because if you don't know, you know, um, I've, I'm, I've been very blessed because David is here and he's, you know, always reminding me, you know, shield and protect or we're going over here and blah, blah, blah. Or, and you think it's it's not just about ghosts. It's people's energy. Like at work, I, you know, I have to, he has to remind me, make sure you shield and protect before you walk in the building. And um, I work at a hospital. So, you know. Especially there. Yes. You know, because people are looking for, you know, and heaven forbid that they see me and, you could see me, you could see me, and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) I know. (laughs) You know. It's like you're looking at a lineup. Anyone else, right? (laughs) (laughs) Shows are on Sunday. We do have people, you know, so. You know, you want to connect with your loved ones. Here's the you know the number to call. You know, I don't have to write anything down for you. You know what's going on. So. And that yeah, brings me to the next question about Maria. You do channeling, trans channeling, yeah, yeah. or? Yes, I do. You no, know, so okay. Earlier, you what type of medium shift did you say that you do? Well, I do a couple of different things. One of them is. If you have um, somebody that passed away, as an example, I tune into that. I also tune into spirits where, uh, you know, you're getting positive information. First of all, I only work positive. I never do anything negative because, like I said, I truly have that belief system. Even when I write books, there is absolutely nothing negative in it because you can't do better than the positive tools. So um, I always work with higher realms. And a lot of times I find you really don't know what kind of information you're going to get. So first you do the protection. I always shield up first. Okay? And then you're just allowing the information or the spirit to give you the information. I actually find the first time um, I was doing trans mediumship. And the first time uh, that happened to me, and I've told students this because it's really funny, but I was telling my students the first time that happened to me, uh, I was actually working at the Renaissance Festival in New York. And I was talking to this lady, and then all of a sudden I found myself in this, it felt like it was a gigantic room, you know, no ceiling, no floor, it just felt like a big gray room, and way in the front of the room I heard somebody talking, and I'm listening and I'm thinking about on and off about what I'm going to do later, and, you know, I'm planning different things, and I keep hearing this voice talking. So after a while I'm listening for a minute, And I heard the voice say something where my thought was, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard in my life. (laughs) And then I realized it was me. (laughs) That's funny. So, you know, and then because I realized, I just snapped out of it. Now, I try not to do it on that extreme level because I really don't like to give up 100% control where I have no clue what's going on. And I looked at the lady across from me because I was still talking, and there was this little part in the back of my head going, did my head spin? Do I look different to her? (laughs) But she didn't react, so apparently she couldn't tell the difference, except that I was giving her information. Wow. But it's a very strong disconnect. 
Yes, I know. It's amazing. Now, we have a lot of people that are either parapsychologists or professional or otherwise uh, that do ghost investigations on um, that listen to the show. And I heard many times saying that, well, you know, we've been doing ghost investigations and occasionally I just know that this ghost came in my car or did something and followed me home. I had a ghost <laughs> from that haunted house follow me home. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I sent him to the light or maybe I didn't. Do you have any type of advice for somebody that is doing a ghost investigation in a home or area that is haunted with discarnate spirits? Well, um, what I personally do is that, you know, I always do protection first. But what I personally do is when I go in the, into a situation like that, um, sometimes, like you were saying, sometimes you can send them to the light. Sometimes they have unfinished business here or they truly refuse to go, which I've had that come up a couple of times, as I'm sure you have. When they refuse yeah. to go, before I, right, before I leave the house, what I put out um, mentally is that whatever helps them move on, comes in for them, but I also put that they cannot follow me as a statement of fact. It's a command. So what I put out is that they are not allowed to leave the premises if they're grounded there already, except to go towards the light, or I put out that they cannot follow me home through, and then you put in whatever your uh, belief system is divinity-wise. So as an example, I put out, um, they, I'm, I'm making a command. So I'm saying, um, I'm commanding in the name of, and I say divine power, but people can substitute whatever they believe in, that this spirit or this entity cannot follow me or cannot come with me after I leave this location, this physical location. Because it could be a graveyard, it could be outside somewhere, it could be a home. So I put that out as a fact. It's a command. And that way it doesn't happen. Because you want to pretend. You know, or I, I've had where um, I was in a place where there was a spirit where it was in the basement and did not want to leave. It was afraid to move on. And sometimes no matter what you do, they need that time to want to move on. And it wasn't a negative spirit. It was a positive spirit. It's just that it wasn't ready to move. However, it was bothering, you don't want it to bother the people in the home. So what I did was I basically uh, made it so that it couldn't come out of the basement upstairs, but it can go anywhere else. So it could go anywhere interplanetary, interdimensional, um, out of the basement on the street. It just couldn't go into any other part of the house. So sometimes you need to do that until they're ready to move on. So there's different ways to work that, but I find um, that that's come up a number of times. Yes. I did, uh, at nighttime, we went to Alcatraz and did an investigation, and, you know, you said my prayers, protections, around with the white light, and did everything. And I also told everyone there that um, this is only being done for communication. That's it. You're not allowed to you know, follow me home or anything like that. 
harm me or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Uh, nobody can leave. You know, I made a very strong statement, and nobody followed me home. But, you know, I did make communication with one spirit who, after I finished talking to her, and I was surprised that she's there, but after I hmm. and actually even held my hand, which turned ice cold, but after I finished talking to her, and I left the dining hall, she stayed behind. She wouldn't leave the area. And I also said that, made those statements in the beginning, because there was some, you know, ex-inmates still there. I didn't want to mess with me, and I had no problem, you know, with that. So I never had That's a problem. That's a heavy area to work, too. Yeah, it is. There's many levels of energy there. And at the time, I didn't think about crossing the girl over to the light, but she was looking for her parents. And one time I was, when I was writing the book and that chapter, I was dwelling upon it and telling her that, you know, I wish I'd send you to the light. If you can hear me, blah, blah, blah. Go to the light of, you know, loving light where your parents are looking for you or whatever. I'm sure she heard me because when I went back last year, she was not to be found. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Well, I do feel that they can hear you at a distance because we're not connected um, through the mental levels of people thinking that we're at a distance from, like, Alcatraz. Right. So whatever you put out in thought, it's immediately there. It's energy. You can actually have people at a distance. I do While we have somebody that would like to talk to you, would you like to talk to somebody else? Of course. I to be rude, not let the callers in because we're just having such a great chat. When we come back, I want to ask you about automatic writing. Uh, but first, we'll take uh, <laughs> we have a, a caller from area code 904. What's your name? Welcome to Beyond the Gate Radio, area code 904. Good evening. My name is Sarah, calling from Florida. Hi. And what was your first name? Sarah, S-A-R-A-H. Oh, that's very pretty. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. What would you like to know? Well, I was looking at... um, your, you know, I mean, both of them, instant money empowerment um, and the thing about stress. Uh, my main question is about, uh, you know, career employment. And I noticed why I'm a little stressed, but at the same time, I try not to be, but I guess, you know, human nature, you really have to fight to stay focused. Of course. So, I mean, I fight as best as I can. I mean, my daily needs are being met and so forth and so on, but, you know, I need a job to, you know, uh, you know, pay my mortgage. So I guess um, I had a very good lead from a referral. So is there a way for you to see it's an administrative position, whether or not I'll get an interview for that position? Sure. Um, What you do is think of the name of the company to yourself, okay? Okay. And and your position would be administrative? Yes. Okay. Okay, so think of the name of the company to yourself, okay? And think of the question to yourself as, 
will you get that position? Okay, you have the question in your mind? Yeah. Okay, hold on one second. Okay. Um, Okay, I really don't feel that you're going to get that particular one. I will never tell you something I don't see to yes you to death because you'll make the wrong decisions. It's not going to help you. Okay? Right. I do feel you have a better one coming in within, let's see. Uh, actually, I'm seeing it as within three months from today. However, you can change the situation where it increases your chances of getting the administrative job. Okay, now, because automatically I just don't see you getting it. What increases your chances are two things. One is uh, emotionally you have to look at it as you really need this particular situation and expect it to come in. The other part of that is that are you going, when you go for the interview, okay, make sure that what you do is you wear um, pink or green, because that's going to help you get the job, or um, pink and blue. Those are your best colors for getting the job, you know, from a metaphysical point of view. And the other situation is you you have to look at this job, if you get this job, that you're going to be looking at it as a stepping stone. The reason is once you get in there, you're not going to have any growth in it. It's going to be very limited. Now, that can be okay because we still have to pay bills. You know, unimportant things like the phone company doesn't barter for the bill. <laughs> okay? So you want to look at this job as a stepping stone since there isn't much growth in it. And just change the colors to put uh, the situation a little bit more into your favor. But I do feel you have a better one coming in where you're going to feel more comfortable with it. But wear the colors, it might um, swing it a little bit more so that you'll get it. But automatically, without you making the changes, I just don't see this particular one coming in. Okay. Is there something you, else you'd like to ask about this situation that would be helpful? Um, no, no. Uh, I'm going to follow up with the person who... Uh, you know, referred me again on tomorrow and just see, you know, where the process is. Now, would you happen to know the number of the building on the address? Would you happen to know the number? Um, not, not right offhand. Um, I can see if I can just look real fast. Do you see okay. a person, um, you know, a person that will step in and uh, assist me in a, you know, in a financial way necessarily without me asking? <laughs> okay, let me check. Okay. Uh, do you have a specific person in mind? You know, I I don't. Okay. In that case, just focus on um, in general if some situation is going to come up where you have a person that can help you financially without you asking. Think of it just like that, okay? It's 515. Got it? It's 515? Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, okay, there's a way to work that energy. From a numerology point of view, 
Okay, that building deals with a lot of changes. So it goes through constant changes, which also means it goes through personnel uh, maybe a little bit more frequently than some other company. That doesn't mean it's negative. It means that somebody could move from that job to a different location and a better job, but they don't seem to have people there for years. Um, the way you would have to work that energy is to be able to work there, you need to let the, pe- the person know interviewing you because you want to be in sync with the energies of the building, not just the people in the company. You want to know that um, you take action on things. You make quick decisions. You're able to make decisions without discussing it for, um, with 20 different people. You're independent in your decision-making. Decisions are going to be um, paramount in being able to get the job, that you're good at that. You want to be able to say that you're an action person, so even though you analyze things and you think about them, you will move and act quickly on your decision. Um, You don't delegate too much. You know when to delegate, but basically you don't delegate. You're in charge. Uh, You like to be in charge. You like to be um, somebody that's proactive. So on an interview, if you mention those things, it vibrates to the building's energy, so you will match better with the company in the building. So that should be helpful. Okay. Oh, and the other thing is you need to mention that if a situation comes up that you have to straighten out, you can straighten it out very decisively and quickly rather than uh, to analyze it for too long. You'll analyze it quickly and straighten it out quickly. That's going to help in your interview. Okay, all right. Okay, with the other question, just really quickly about somebody coming in to help, um, see, you do have somebody that would be able to help you, but I don't see it for, um, I'd say it would either be within the next month, meaning from today's date, not the calendar. If not within the next month, then it'll be the fourth month. In between, I just don't see any activity in that direction. Okay. So in the meantime, what you should do, and again, it's only a suggestion from a psychic point of view. It's always meant just as a guide because we have free will. Okay. Um, what I would suggest is just focus on the right job coming in quickly uh, in a positive way and then give it a deadline. Uh, you want it to come in in a positive way within and give it a deadline, whether it's a month, a week, two months. Give it a deadline that's realistic to you, because without a deadline, it's not going to come in as quickly. But you have to be very focused on this is the deadline, so your intent has to be very definite, and then you have to expect it to come in, because if you don't expect it, then the universe is going to say, well, it's not that important to you, so there's no rush, and then you're going to go past the deadline. And it always works. Some things okay. metaphysically um, don't work automatically every time. Some things do. This will always work. And uh, just really quickly, there's a way to pick up your money. It's actually in my money spell book, Heaven Sent Money Spells. What you do is, and I'm going to go quickly because of the time, if that's okay. The formula yes, is you get, you get a whole lemon. You go to the supermarket. Make sure it doesn't have any cuts and bruises on it. When you take it home, you tie a string around it and put a loop on the end so you can hang it up. Or before you leave, 
You put, um, you take a wire coat hanger and the part where the shoulders go, you bend it in to form a basket so you can hang it up and just drop it in. You don't put any cuts or anything into it. You hang that up anywhere in your home, and within 7 to 10 days, you definitely either have money coming in or the opportunity to make money. Whether you take the opportunity or not is free will. You let the lemon stay there until it gets all dried out, and then you throw it away anywhere outside your home. Don't throw it away inside your home. You will cancel the opportunity. This one works within 7 to 10 days every time. It's a very ancient method. Well, without the coat hanger, it's an ancient method. But you want to hang it up, and it works within 7 to 10 days. When you bring it home from the supermarket, make sure you don't put it down on the surface. Immediately hang it up. Okay? That'll start bringing money in for you. Okay. Okay? All right. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. It's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, You as well. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Sarah. Oh, that was very good. And after the that, I was going to mention your book, Heaven Sent Money Spells, but you did. <laughs> and uh, Sherelle just posted your website in the chat room, and it's it's on the radio show here. Now, we're getting close to, I mean, time passes by fast. We just have a few minutes left, and I just briefly want to ask you one last thing. and. Yeah. It's about automatic writing. Now, I know there's a difference between channeling and automatic writing and so forth, but when I'm typing on a computer, oftentimes I I type some paragraphs that couldn't possibly have came with me and are very intelligent. They couldn't have come from me. And I thought, wow, (laughs) I must have been doing automatic writing. And then again, I thought, no, maybe that's just channeling or, or a combination of the two. But I've tried automatic writing, and it was different than that, it was like, you know, with a pen and paper now, this is different. When I when I did it with a, a certain person in spirit, my hand actually started to move and write all by itself. So that's different than me typing on the computer. Could you explain uh, to the audience a little bit about that and perhaps the differences briefly? So I find that um, with automatic writing, we don't have any thought behind it. We don't, ha- as an example, you don't sit down and say, okay, I want to write about whatever the subject is. And I find usually it's very spiritual. So with automatic writing, normally what I do is I just hold a pen in my hand, I sit in front of the paper, and I just, it just writes. I don't even know what's on the paper. Okay. At this point, um, you, and I find, uh, I'm sure you find the same thing. I can actually close my eyes and write because... It's not me. I don't have to look and pay attention. So uh, the information just comes through in that form. Whereas when I'm doing uh, mediumship, I I can't hold anything in my hand because nothing's going to happen. Okay, even if I was holding a pen, nothing would happen. It's more uh, verbal information coming through. Also, uh, sometimes, depending on the level, mediumship or trance or channeling, I find that I'm still aware of what I'm saying in some situations. I just don't control what I'm saying. I also find, and I don't know if you find this, but I also find that when I'm done with any of those particular forms, I can't actually go and drink like a cold glass of water because it will be a shock to my system because you're kind of out of alignment. You're more on the spirit plane. So if I was drinking something really, really cold, it's a shock and it snaps me back too quickly. 
Do you find that? Yes, I totally agree with it, and I want to thank you for clarifying that for everybody. And we have less than a minute left. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It's been very educational, very lightning, and your energy is just beautiful. I, I love listening and talking to you. You're very knowledgeable, and you're the best. Thank you so yes. much for coming. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank it, you so much, so Maria. Much, and I'm, I'm sorry people. that we, we had so many people that we didn't get a chance to have a break, but uh, <laughs> we thank you so much. And uh, your website is posted, and we thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Okay, and thank you so much. It was just so much fun, <laughs> and thank you. Thank you. We'll have to have you back again. <laughs> oh, that would be great. I love doing the show. And, you know, I just love working with both of you because it's always such a pleasure to work with spiritual people. Thank well, you. thank you. Likewise. <laughs> and good night, everybody. You've been listening to Beyond the Gate Radio. Thank you for joining us tonight. And Maria's website is mariadandrea.com. Please visit her website and check out her wonderful books. Good night, everybody, and God bless from Beyond the Gate Radio. David Baker, your host, and Sherelle, your my co-host. Thank you.